Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for July 29. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. Today we begin with Psalm 96, followed by the Lord's Prayer. Further prayers drawn from an Australian prayer book, 1978, will be led by Andrew Pearson. Catherine Jacob will bring us a reading from the New Revised Standard Version, and my reflection on the theme, Transformation in a Troubled World, will follow. Andrew's the Dean Senior Minister of the Cathedral Church of the Advent, Birmingham, Alabama, and Catherine is a member of the ministry team there. Music is also from the Cathedral, under the direction of Dr. Frederick Teardew and Zachary Hicks. Let me now read from Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvellous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all gods. And now as we turn to prayer, let us pray as our Lord Jesus has taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Prayer for all in authority. Almighty God, the fountain of all goodness, we humbly pray you to bless all who hold positions of authority and public office in every land, so that all things, especially in these uncertain times, may be ordered in wisdom, righteousness, and peace, to the honor of your holy name and the good of your church and people, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A prayer for everyone in need. O God, creator and preserver of all people, we humbly pray for all sorts and conditions of men and women, that you would be pleased to make your way known to them, your saving power among all nations. Especially we pray for the welfare of your church, that we all may be guided and governed by your good spirit, so that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth and hold the faith in unity of spirit in the bond of peace, and in righteousness of life. We commend to your fatherly goodness all who are in any way afflicted or distressed with any kind of sickness or sorrow, anxiety or need. Especially we pray for family, friends, those who are known to us. Lord, we particularly pray for your comfort for those who are grieved by the loss of loved ones at this time. We pray for the ongoing research into a vaccine and cure for COVID-19. We also pray for the many who are out of work, give wisdom and compassion to leaders, enabling them to facilitate an effective economic recovery, and so provide opportunity for work for everyone. Lord, we also pray for those who are in physical, mental, or emotional danger at this time. Father, may it please you to comfort and relieve them according to their needs, giving them patience in their sufferings, 
and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. All this we ask for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A prayer for peace. God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all people and banish from them the spirit that makes for conflict so that all races and people may learn to live as members of one family and in obedience to your laws. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. A reading from Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. Therefore, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food and drink or of observing festivals, new moons, or Sabbaths. These are only a shadow of what is to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Do not let anyone disqualify you, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, dwelling on visions, puffed up without cause by a human way of thinking, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows with a growth that is from God." If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the universe, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? All these regulations refer to things that perish with use. They are simply human commands and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-imposed piety, humility, and severe treatment of the body, but they are of no value in checking self-indulgence. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Back in August 2011, the Wall Street Journal carried an article by Dr. Jonathan Sachs, then Chief Rabbi in Britain. In his article, Reversing the Decay of London Undone, Dr. Sachs stated, In virtually every Western society in the 1960s, there was a moral revolution, an abandonment of its entire traditional ethic of self-restraint. All you need, sang the Beatles, is love. The Judeo-Christian moral code was jettisoned, in its place came whatever works for you. He further observed, the collapse of families and communities leaves in its wake unsocialized young people, deprived of parental care, who on average, and yes there are exceptions, do worse than their peers at school, are more susceptible to drug and alcohol abuse, less likely to find stable employment, 
and more likely to land up in jail. Much can and must be done by governments, but they cannot of themselves change lives, he went on. Governments cannot make marriages or turn feckless individuals into responsible citizens. That needs another kind of change agent. Let me suggest that more than ever we need a refresh moment of God's good news. True and lasting changes in society occur when individual lives are transformed from the inside out through God's mercy. Consider Paul's words that we've just heard from Colossians chapter 2. And you, who were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, that is, with Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses, having cancelled the bond which stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in him. Paul is writing of the condition of the Jewish and the non-Jewish peoples, of men and women throughout time. The Jewish people could not keep God's written law, and the world that doesn't know God fails to keep even the law of their own conscience. All men and women are morally bankrupt. This biblical teaching is central to a reformational Anglican understanding of humanity. Dr. Ashley Null, a leading authority on Thomas Cramner, Archbishop of Canterbury in the reign of Henry VIII, summarises Cramner's anthropology this way. What the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. What the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. Cramner understood that the trouble with human nature is that we are born with a heart that loves ourselves over and above everything else in the world, including God. We are born slaves to the lust of our self-gratification. Furthermore, we are captive to spiritual forces we cannot defeat. Satan, holding himself out as a chief prosecutor, presents the catalogue of our failures to God. And being the demanding prosecutor he is, he insists that the penalty must be paid, something that God and his justice cannot refuse. And because sin is a capital offence, we are all en route to a death that we cannot avoid. C.S. Lewis brilliantly captures these elements in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Edmund had betrayed Peter, Susan and Lucy, and Aslan himself. The witch demanded Edmund's life. He's broken the laws of the deep, she insisted. He's mine, she shrieked. His life is forfeit. In the busyness of life, it's easy to forget the significance of Jesus' crucifixion. Think again about Paul's words. He tells us that God has smashed the bars of our spiritual prison of self-interest. He's cancelled the debt that we owe through Jesus' death. And the charge seat against us has been wiped clean. And in the same way that the indictments against Jesus were nailed to his cross, he has taken the indictments against us and nailed them to his cross as well. Furthermore, we learn that 
Jesus, through his death, has disarmed the demonic powers that we couldn't overcome. Had those powers known the mightier power that Jesus wielded through his voluntary sacrifice, they would have dismissed any thought of putting the Lord of glory to death. St. Augustine spoke well when he said that Jesus' crucifixion was the devil's mousetrap. And so it is supremely that Jesus Christ, through his own death once and for all, abolished death for us. As John 11 records, Jesus says to us, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. No longer should we fear death's inexorable approach. God made you alive with Christ, Paul says in Colossians chapter 2. The cross is where Jesus turned our captivity into the glorious liberty of the children of God. The hymn writers, Keith Getty and Stuart Townend, teach us to sing, This the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath. We stand forgiven at the cross. Jesus' death provides a fresh start in life for everyone who turns to him in repentance and in faith. F. F. Bruce in his commentary on Colossians writes, The message proclaimed by Paul to the Colossians remains the one message of hope to men and women in their frustration and despair. Christ crucified and risen is Lord of all. So let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, like lost sheep, we've gone our own way not loving you as we ought, nor loving our neighbours as ourselves. We have done what we ought not to have done, and we have not done what we ought to have done. We justly deserve your condemnation. Father, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, forgive us all that is past, and grant that from this time forward we may serve and please you in newness of life, to the honour and glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The good news is this. As we've been hearing, God promises in His Word that when we confess our sins, He forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.